0: The ball games everyone's waiting for take place on New Year's Eve as the college football playoff semifinals are on top. First Alabama meets undefeated Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl Classic, and the other semi Michigan duels Georgia in the Orange Bowl. The winners will meet in the national championship on January 10th. And on New Year's Day, the schedule is stacked with some great college football games, and our college football guys are here to talk about them.
1: Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show, and it is Bowl Previews Part 6. we got playoff games to discuss. we got New Year's Day. We have a ton of things to talk about. Before I introduce the experts, I'm going to tell you who I am. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. On the right side of your screen is Kyle Hunter. You can follow him on Twitter, at uh, KyleHunterPicks. And, of course, he is our professional award-winning handicapper, Kyle, uh, we are doing this live while a bowl game is on, and it is the exact reason why we said we're not going to bet on North Carolina yesterday, because you cannot trust these guys. They're already down 15 to nothing. Uh, Other than that, bowl season has just been bonkers so far. I mean, last night was even more proof of it with Oregon's second half, etc. How do you feel about things so far?
2: Man, there's been some weird games. I expect we'll see some more really weird games, but we got some big games to talk about today. We're going to talk about the playoffs and then plenty of other big games. I'm pumped for
1: this. Let's do it. Absolutely. On the left side of your screen, Parker Fleming. He is at Stats of War on Twitter. He's the numbers guy, the numerical guru, as I, uh, as I like to call him, the analyst, uh, the stats, the uh, Parker, I don't even know what all the, the names for you are. You're a, you're a smart guy. How's that? How's, uh, how's everything going with bowl season? What do you think so far? Uh, so,
3: sometimes I'm a smart guy. Bowl season I think is making fools out of a lot of us. It's been crazy and it's been hectic, but man, it's fun. And again, we've got some of these games here, you know, uh, re- really, really interesting matchups, some nice contrast to style and um, some, some really beefy matchups, especially here in the playoffs. So I'm excited to talk about these.
1: Oh, absolutely. Before we get into everything, let me go ahead and tell everybody, go sign up over at BetUS. It is where the game begins. Website's very easy, BetUS.com. Go ahead and check it out. Get yourself signed up. Tons of bonuses this time of year. Take advantage of it right now. Sign up at BetUS.com. Also, since you're already here, we see several people watching, etc., Go ahead and click the like button for us, if you would so kindly, and subscribe to the channel. We are trying to reach our goal of 2,500, and then, of course, there will be many goals after that, but we are very, very close to this one, so go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live each and every time out. We will have a college football playoff preview show next week, and then we will continue on with off-season content, etc. Who knows what to expect from us as we go forward, but go ahead and knock that out. Do us that favor and subscribe and hit the notification bell and jump into the comments, jump into the chat. Any questions that you have, obviously we are going to hit all of the bowl games, but if you have any questions about bowl games, uh, particular lines, team totals, whatever, whatever you feel like asking, jump in there and we will certainly hit them at the end of the show. Uh, Now, before we get started, let me go ahead and get Danny in here and she is going to tell us about our bowl promotion for right now.
0: It's December, school is finally out and we're in that holiday spirit and that means free content prizes baby. Our Schools Out Contest will be open this December 17th and all you gotta do is simply pick the winners for every college football game and guess the score for the championship game. The top three players with the most winners will get a free play. It's that simple. First place gets $2,000, second $1,000 and third $500. Now, who doesn't like some extra cash on the holidays? Pick the most bowl winners and come out on the top. Head over to betus.com to get full details.
1: All right, we appreciate Danny there. Now, let's go ahead and give you a recap of what we have done thus far this season. These are our records so far. So from the last two shows, uh, well, last week's two shows, uh, I went 3 and 1, Kyle went 3 and 1, Parker 3 and 8, not quite the 6 and 5 that he had the week before that, but the overall records still stand pretty firm. I am sitting at 55 47 and 4, Kyle is 42 and 33, and Parker at 58 72 and 3. Overall on the season 155 152 and 7 in game picks. Now if you toss in the futures, which I'm going to do every single time, 180 169 and 7. That is winning. That is profitable. That is pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right. Uh, let's dive into the college football playoff bowl games. And we'll start off with the Cotton Bowl. Alabama taking on Cincinnati. And the Bearcats are a 13.5 point underdog. Total sits at 57.5 Cincy 5-0 oh against the spread as a dog in their last five attempts at that. 6-0 oh against the spread against winning teams, so they certain, uh, certainly play up to the level of competition. And they are 5-1 against the spread in non-conference matchups in their last six. Alabama 4-1 against the spread in non-conference matchups in their last five. They are 5-2 and two against the spread on a neutral site. And they are 2-5 and five against the spread after a spread win in the last seven in that regard, so uh, the interesting, interesting spot here. Alabama wide receiver John Metchie out with a torn ACL. Cornerback Josh Job had foot surgery. Uh, there is a question as to whether or not Chris Allen, the linebacker who has been out all season, whether or not he could return. Uh, the cornerback Jalen Armour Davis has missed the last two games. They are working to get him back, but no word on that yet. JoJo Earl, the wide—they have got all kind of problems going on at Alabama. A bunch of guys injured, et cetera. Uh, but I will tell you. They looked fantastic against Georgia, which is why they are the number one seed in the playoffs. Parker, I want to start off with you on this. Uh, both of these teams very aggressive on both defense and offense. Uh, penalty yards certainly show that. Alabama, number 111 in that regard, and Cincinnati, number 82. Turnover margin, uh, both of these teams take care of the football, and they are good at turning other teams over. Alabama, number 14, Cincy number two. Uh, what kind of numbers do you have on this one? We don't have to worry about opt-outs here. This is this is a straight-up matchup. What are you looking at?
3: Yeah, looking at this game, I mean, obviously, two of the best teams, even as Cincinnati had a reputation for kind of playing with its food. Uh, you know, it was a four-game stretch there in the middle of the season where they did. They looked a little bored. Uh, Cincinnati is third in EPA margin uh, since week five, and uh, Alabama is fifth overall. Uh, um There there are very few weak spots on either side of the ball for these teams. And you look at Cincinnati's offense, they are 11th overall in success rate. Weaker against the pass. I think it's worth noting that Desmond Ritter really does not go downfield. Under 20% of his passes have gone 20-plus yards downfield, and he's only completing, uh, you know, 47% of those. So it's it's a little bit like he's just heaving them up. Um, most of their explosive game comes from their rush game. Ninth in EPA per rush, um, even as their 22nd in rushing success rate on offense. Alabama's Defense typically has struggled with explosive passing. They're 41st in EPA per pass, and uh, but they're third in EPA per rush. So what Cincinnati is set up to do on offense, get those big play rushes, even as they're not as successful uh, kind of consistently moving the ball, Alabama's actually been pretty good at preventing. Um, I definitely think we'll see some of the – uh, athletes in Alabama be being, being able to to catch up a little bit more to Cincinnati, even if Cincinnati can break plays open. I, I expect to see uh, those big runs be more of you know 10 to 15 yards as opposed to 30 to 45 yards uh, where uh, SEC athletes are chasing down, you know, American Conference athletes uh, uh, differently than what was happening in Cincinnati's regular season. Um, if if we look at the other side of the ball, I think this is most interesting because Alabama's offense has been so flighty. Um, they are seventh overall in, in offensive EPA per play, and they are 25th in success rate. They've certainly relied on the big play. Uh, we saw how important Jamison Williams was in the SEC championship game. And so um, fortunately, Alabama has a stable of five stars. Uh, to, to replace those those injured five stars, and they've had some time to prepare. So um, re- really interesting to see kind of who will step up. Again, they have a tight end that I think is is underutilized that would be a really, really favorable matchup for them. Um, one way that Cincinnati has been very disruptive to teams all season has been through pressure. You've got MyJai Sanders with 51 total pressures, Curtis Brooks with 38, Joel Dubianco, uh, 37, uh, off the edge from linebacker there. So three, you know, three... Uh, and, and five or six other guys have 20-plus have, uh, pressures, So really disruptive from a lot of parts of the field. I think that Alabama's offensive line has already been tested in a lot of kind of sim pressures and, and blitzes coming from different places, especially against Auburn. And um, the flip side is, uh, you know, Bryce Young under pressure has just been excellent this year. Um, he is completing 68% of his passes uh, are, are on target from pressure. Uh, or from a pressured pocket. And uh, he's only only converting uh, pressures to sacks at a 16% rate. So he's really elusive. He has a lot of poise. And um, it's only in Alabama's favor if he can extend. If Cincinnati brings extra guys, tries to pressure him, he'll be able to extend plays and get those one-on-one isolated matchups. I think that Alabama's offense, um, even with some of these opt-outs, it's really, really going to be able to stretch um, Cincinnati's defense then. Alabama's offense is 81st on e, uh, in EPA per rush and so Cincinnati of course uh, would love to to force their hand and make them try and rush and match up on Cincinnati uh the Bearcats are fourth in EPA per rush i'm not sure how well that's going to work out for them Alabama is 20th in early downs rush rate passing, uh, or excuse me, rushing on 45.6% of early downs. As we've seen all season, remember, high volume and high efficiency passing, that's what matters. That's the name of the game in college football. And given that Alabama has a bunch of time, I don't know that these opt-outs are gonna be as problematic as they are on paper. Cincinnati certainly has some athletes in the backfield, seventh in EPA per pass, third in early downs EPA, um, uh, that are gonna be able to challenge Alabama's wide receivers. But I believe that um, Alabama is going to be able to take this game and impose their will and then cruise and stay healthy for for the championship here. So um, I like this one to be fun early. I think Cincinnati obviously will be amped up. They'll come out strong. But we saw Alabama hit another gear against Georgia, um, one of the best statistical defenses of all time. Um, and I really do think that Alabama is in a position here to not just win, but to cover.
1: And that totally makes sense. I will... I will tell you the matchup between Sauce Gardner or, or Kobe Bryant and Jamison Williams is going to be fun to watch. Other than that, though, there's not really a downfield threat for Alabama that is proven. Now, they do have a ton of athletes, et cetera. I'm sure that we will see uh, plenty of them, Brooks, et cetera, that have come out. Treshawn Holden, I believe, is another one. Um, I think that Cincinnati can do a few things against the wide receiver core, uh, but what you brought up was very interesting. Alabama does have some underutilized tight ends that they can certainly use in this matchup, and they will be big-time mismatches, I believe. Cameron Latu and the tight end uh, Jalil Billingsley, both of which are uh, just monsters, absolute monsters, both 6'5", 6'6", uh, can run <laughs> like gazelles, I guess. That is where I believe Alabama will have a big matchup advantage. Uh, if Cincinnati is going to get out to a fast start, uh, I would recommend scoring points. Don't make it a three-to-nothing game when it could be fourteen-to-nothing, et cetera. Uh, you got to be able to score if you want to stay in this thing. I, uh, I don't have a lean on this, uh, Kyle. You know, it, you look at, at some of these other numbers. Alabama number twenty-three in offensive PPA per drive. he's number nine on defense. Cincy number thirty-seven offensive PPA per drive. Alabama number six in that metric. Uh, these are two stout defenses and two pretty good offenses. Alabama has the ability. To go crazy, uh, do you see any matchup advantages for Cincinnati? You know, Desmond Ritter being a mobile quarterback, uh, what would you expect from them if they were to find a way to uh, to stay in this ball game late? Well, I mean, you know, this is a big test
2: for Desmond Ritter, right? Because um, I I think Ritter is a good quarterback, but not a great quarterback. And really, the the quarterbacks that have burnt Alabama in the past, the the Sean Watson, the Joe Burrow, there's several several levels better than uh, Desmond Ritter, in my opinion. And obviously, Ritter doesn't have the talent around him those guys had either so um, I don't think he's good enough to air it out and beat Alabama by himself or anything and Alabama's run defense is tremendous we know that probably the best run defense in the country uh, Cincinnati has to want this to be a lower scoring game you would think in general um, I, I kind of leaned to the under in this game uh, the numbers gotten a little bit worse here Uh, I will say on the side there are conflicting things here Uh, Saban's won five straight semifinal games by an average of 20 points per game so they don't mess around these semifinal games. Um, You know, they've had quite a few of those sleepers where at the end of the game, they're just kind of running the clock and trying to get to the final. Um, It wouldn't shock me if that happens. But at the same time, you know, I have a friend that's a college football expert as well. And he said, look, people are just too pumped about Alabama because of what they just saw last game. Uh, And he thinks Cincinnati really has a shot in this game. I, I don't know if Cincinnati really has a shot in this game, but I can understand the uh, the thought that, you know, we saw Alabama not be tremendous throughout the course of the season. They, they won a bunch of games by a pretty small margin. And now they go and beat Georgia and it's like, are they tremendous or was that a one-time thing? Uh, Saban does have his teams play really well at the end of the season, usually. So I give him a little bit more credit than I would the other coaches that would just, maybe it's a flash in the pan. Obviously he's tremendous. um, You know, as far as, as as far as I want this to be a good game and I, I, you know, selfishly, I like to root for Cincinnati. Sorry, Gary. Uh, But, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I like to root for the underdog in general too. Um, I'm a Luke Fickle fan and, and, you know, I, I want, I don't want the, This to be an epic blowout to where everybody says, see, Cincinnati shouldn't have been in there, and now we can never have a group of five team again. You know, we we don't need that kind of conversation. Uh, I think the number is pretty fair here on the side. Uh, like I said, I kind of lean to the under Alabama giving up 2.51 yards per carry. Cincinnati wants to run here and Ford's a good running back. Uh, I, I don't know that they can run on Alabama. I think the, the biggest key here for Cincinnati in this game is how does their offensive line play against Alabama's defensive line and uh, Alabama's defensive line will be the best defensive line they've seen so far this year, I think so, um, you know. The, the positive for Cincinnati, uh, you know, people said Georgia's past defense was amazing. Georgia really hadn't been tested in the past defense, and we saw Alabama take care of them pretty easily. Um, Gardner and Bryant, uh, probably the two, two or three best corners in the country, definitely the best duo in the country. Uh, Cincinnati has a really legitimate uh, NFL secondary. Both of those guys will be in the NFL. So it would surprise me if Alabama can just throw it around on them all the time. I think Bryce Young might be able to run some in this game, uh, bother them. And Mechie out certainly hurts quite a bit. So uh, my strongest lean here is the under guys. And I think this uh, side is just so tight that I I wouldn't want to pick the side here.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. If this game were too good up to 14, 14 and a half, Uh, I might would lean Cincinnati a little bit. Uh, You look at the total offensive plays per game, Cincinnati number 123 in the country. They only run 63.7 per game. Now, Alabama likes to speed it up a little bit. They run 77.3 offensive plays per game. Uh, If Cincinnati can hold on to the football, keep it away from Alabama, and they are able to find any kind of success, then yeah, the under would certainly be the lean there. Um, However, you know, we we don't know exactly what we're going to see here between number one type talent and a G5 talent. And that's not to say anything bad about Cincinnati. I'm just really curious, really curious. Strength of schedule, by the way, Alabama number four. These are ESPN numbers. Number four in uh, strength of schedule and Cincinnati number 87. So does that play into this? Uh, We know that since he has played Notre Dame, so they've at least seen something like this. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I I don't have a lean one way or the other, but I know that Parker does, and we'll go ahead and make it official. He is riding with Alabama to cover the 13 and a half. Uh, under two touchdowns, he absolutely loves it. So let's go ahead and move to the other college football playoff semifinal game, and this is the Orange Bowl. Michigan taking on Georgia, and the Bulldogs are a seven and a half point favorite, juiced at minus 105. The total sits at 45 and a half. Pretty low total. Pretty low total. It might not be low enough, but we'll talk about that. Michigan, 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games. They are on a run right now. 4-1 against the spread in their last five non-conference games, but they are 1-4 against the spread as a neutral site underdog and 0-4 in their last four bowl games. Uh, Georgia, 6-2 against the spread in their last eight bowl games. They are 5-2 against the spread in their last seven non-conference games. But they are 1-4 and against the spread coming off of a straight-up loss, which they are doing that right now coming out of the SEC championship game. Georgia's defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning, is sticking around, but he is the new head coach of the Oregon Ducks. Uh, JT Daniels tested positive for COVID last week, and it looks like he's going to be okay for the ballgame. We think uh, he's got to clear protocols. Who knows what that means? Um, George Pickens. Wide receiver still not 100%. I mean, there's a lot of questions here as well. Uh, Michigan safety Dax Hill, who is maybe, I mean, one of the top five defensive backs in the country, he is unbelievable. He is not in Miami yet, and I mean, we are the day before the ball game. Uh, they are not giving out any real information. Jim Harbaugh talked about it. Said uh, we're still waiting to see uh, if he can play, but he is not in Florida, so <laughs> that's going to be interesting. A lot of different things to look at with this. Uh, Both of these teams really good as far as uh, penalty yardage, number 23 and number 12. Turnover margin, Michigan number 38. Georgia is number 64. So Georgia, not great in that regard. I will certainly say that. Kyle, let's start off with you on this. Uh, The questions, of course, revolve around Stetson Bennett. Uh, I don't think that was Georgia's problem against Alabama. I think Georgia's problem against Bama was actually their defense. Uh, when you give up 41 points, granted, seven of those were off of a pick six, uh, but that's, I think that's what the main issue was, not to say that Stetson Bennett is a fantastic quarterback, but, uh, but I'm curious your thoughts on, on which direction this game is going. This looks to be a, a run-heavy, smash-mouth kind of football game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that, that Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines were picked so highly for many years and disappointed. And then this year, nobody really expected them to be that good. And here they are in the playoffs. You know, they they with a breakout season, uh, certainly Harbaugh did a great job with this team this year. Georgia had that exceptional regular season, right? We're talking about how epic good this defense was. I still think this defense is really good. Then they have the blowout loss to Alabama and the SEC title game. It would be easy to say that, you know, we can't just throw out Georgia's whole regular season just based on that one game. I, th- I think that is true. Um, you know, how to beat Michigan, in my opinion, I think Georgia needs a big game from Bowers, at tight end. Uh, he's tremendous. Honestly, he had a big game against Alabama and that wasn't enough. But, um, you know, Stetson Bennett, uh, I am fairly low on him. You know, it seems like he's pretty good in the game manager role when they when they have the lead. Uh, if they get behind, I'm kind of worried uh, for him. You know, I, I don't think Michigan, Michigan secondary is excellent. I think they're pretty good. Uh, you know, like, like you said, there's some uh, lack of information here as far as, you know, exactly what their secondary will look like. But I think Michigan's secondary can be beaten. Uh, the question is, will Bennett have time to throw here? Because Michigan has an amazing pass rush. Aiden Hutchinson, one of the best pass rushers we've seen in, in the last few years. Uh, Georgia 14th and pass blocking grade at PFF, which is good, but might not be good enough to uh, keep uh, Bennett with a lot of time to throw here. I think Bennett might scramble a little bit more than we've seen him uh, run in that last game. Uh, He is decent uh, with his legs creating and making things happen. For Michigan you know to be successful in this game their offensive line has to be fantastic again I mean they just made Ohio State's defensive line look terrible in that last game and the linebackers Uh, strength on strength here though Michigan's offensive line Georgia's defensive line uh, Georgia has the best defensive line in the country Michigan's offensive line um, Michigan's allowed I've said this several times but they've allowed 27 tackles for a loss in 13 games this year, which is just insanely good. Nobody else in the country has allowed less than 41. So Michigan ain't letting you get in the backfield uh, and catching them for a loss, which really helps a lot because I don't think McNamara is a great quarterback, but he's good in this system. Uh, Michigan uh, isn't going to push around the Georgia defensive line like they did Ohio State's defensive line. Uh, much better run defense from Georgia. The, the public is taking Michigan here. Uh, I know the public has not done great in uh, bowl games, I haven't ever so slightly into Michigan in this one. I, I I don't want to trust Harbaugh a lot still. You know, I still kind of doubt, you know, them with a lot of time to, to prepare. Having said that, do we really think Kirby Smart has earned a lot of respect for his uh, how he gets his team ready for these games late in the season? He's a great recruiter. Everybody knows that. But uh, you know, Saban's uh, made a mockery of him several times. Uh, You know, maybe maybe they'll get a chance to match up again. It wouldn't surprise me. But uh, I'm going to pass on this game. I think the total's right on spot. I I I have no lean on the total at all. Uh, I think the key here is in the trenches. Who wins this game?
1: It totally makes sense. Uh, I I do have a play on it. It's Georgia's team total under 25 and a half. I I don't expect a lot of points from either side here. Uh, Parker, when I'm looking at at Michigan number 32 in offensive PPA per drive against Georgia number seven on defense and Georgia number 14 offensive PPA per drive against Michigan, the number 20 defense. I think that Michigan can actually find a way to pass in this game. Uh, If you look at what Cade McNamara can do, uh, if they, if they set up play action at all and find a way to get those running backs, because remember Alabama, not a great running team. Uh, They were able to set up the run through the pass. If Michigan can set up the pass through the run, which is easier said than done, I get that, uh, I think that offensive line can give McNamara a little protection back there, and he's shown multiple times this year that he's not that bad when it comes to throwing the football. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm not on either side on this. I just don't think there's going to be a lot of points. I think both of these teams are perfectly fine with just running the football, uh, being risk-averse. And I like Georgia's team total to be under 25 and a half because I I think 24 points wins you this ball game. Uh, Parker, give me give me some numbers here. You know I'm looking at some of these explosive rates, etc. Uh, I just don't see a lot of explosiveness either out of either one of these teams. What uh What are you looking at?
3: Yeah, that's definitely the thing that stands out for me, Gary. I have I have this game in the twenties for for both teams. I think that's a a really good I uh, really good bet there that you have. Um, One thing about Michigan's offense is that it really requires yards after contact and yards after the catch. Um, Specifically, if you look at Hassan Hoskins' great games this season, uh, I think about the Penn State game, for instance. um, The vast majority of his yards come after contact, after the catch, kind of after an event. Georgia only has 71 missed tackles on defense all season. That's five a game. Um, And so that that does worry me a little bit uh, because what Michigan does is is plays real. I mean, Gary, it's like the modern version of kind of the old man ball you like, right? They're going to chip away, they're going to chip away, they're going to chip away, and then boom, they're going to hit the big one. Um, We've seen them do it time and time again. Um, and 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 specifically, Kyle was talking about the matchup, and I won't repeat myself from a couple weeks ago, but when we previewed these games uh, just broadly, we talked about how Michigan's offense really runs through the A-gap, and uh, Georgia has Jordan Davis in the A-gap, which you, you don't run through that, man. And so um, I, I think what uh, kind of a fascinating subplot for football fans will be how does Michigan alter their tempo to try and keep Jordan Davis in to make sure Georgia can't substitute – um, or keep Jordan Davis off by being tired. How do they How do they play that game? Alabama did that a little bit and it was pretty disruptive. Um, a, a couple other stats that I think are really, really important here. Um, maybe the most important down of the game is going to be Georgia on third downs. We saw Georgia going into the SEC championship game being one of the worst teams on third down offense um, overall. And, and my theory on that was, one, we just hadn't observed them a lot. But two, when they got to third downs, they were in bad situations. It turns out that they're pretty bad on third downs. They were just just three of 12 on third down conversions against Alabama. I believe they started two for seven. And on late downs overall, they were just five of twelve. That's 41%. They're um that's that's you know like 70th in the nation. That's that's really, really bad. Michigan's defense, 23rd on on late downs, allowing only a 37% conversion rate. I believe that Michigan, um is going to be able to get some of these favorable scripts uh, on on offense and then they're going to, uh, excuse me, on, on, on defense and get Georgia in these third and long. And then you've got guys like Aiden Hutchinson pinning his ears back and rushing Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett under pressure only completing 30% of his passes. Absolute disaster, nowhere near uh, the ability you'd like to see uh, in extending plays. Um, I think it's worth acknowledging, I'm not betting like this is happening, but it is worth acknowledging for information. Some hardcore Georgia folks are, are, are talking rumors about quarterbacks, and maybe there's some gamesmanship, and maybe Kirby is preparing to, um, to pull a big switcheroo. Uh, I, I haven't obviously haven't confirmed that obviously not breaking it, but the quarterback play has been a big enough issue that if Daniels is healthy, it wouldn't surprise me to see them cry and spice things up, even if it's just a special package. So we've talked about kind of the run game for Michigan. Can they get those yards after contact? Can they find a way to move the ball without a gap? We've talked about third downs for Georgia's offense. Um, the last thing that I think is really important is uh, finishing drives for Michigan. Michigan is fourth in quality possession rate on offense, but they are thirtieth in points per quality possession at 4.62. Georgia's defense, of course, is absurd, first in the nation at, at, at echo rate and first in the nation at points per quality possession, 1.94. So Michigan, um, when they do break off that big play, and it is, you know, a 40-yard run that gets them a first down inside Georgia's 30. What can they do? Can they do anything to uh, get in the end zone? How, when, when you know, when things are, are are closer and space isn't as plentiful and those gaps get a little more closed, how is Michigan gonna be able to move the ball in the red zone and and finish drives? So I think those are the big three things for me in this game. Um, I I love the point about not letting Stetson Bennett play from behind uh, again with Hutchinson and Michigan's defensive line. Um, I mean, he, you know, the more you can do to make Stetson Bennett less important in this game, the better it's going to go for Georgia. Overall, though, I do like what Michigan's able to do. And in terms of pace of this game, Georgia 84th and early downs rush rate, Michigan 107th. I really, really like this to be low and slow. Um, and so seven and a half points here is is, is a whole lot for me. Um, I, I have this, you know, the line I set was closer to uh, five and a half. Um and uh, and so I think that Georgia should win this game for the reasons we've outlined. But I do believe Michigan will be able to keep it close. And again, with that big play volatility um, in a slow scoring game, one one breakaway tackle is is all you need for a cover here. And so um, I, I like this uh, whole lot. Michigan covering uh, here against Georgia.
1: No, that definitely definitely does make sense. Uh, not going to get a lot of cheap touchdowns against Georgia, but. Uh, They are. There are a few that are there. So let's go ahead and make this official. There are two plays that we have on this game. I am writing Georgia's team total under 25 and a half and Parker likes Michigan plus seven and a half. I can roll with it. I can roll with it. I think it's going to be lower scoring. Uh, So if Georgia is going to score under 25 and a half, uh, yeah, seven and a half looks like a pretty good line. Looks like a good line for now. Let's move on to New Year's Day, and the first game on New Year's Day is the Outback Bowl. We have Arkansas taking on Penn State, and Arkansas is currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 48 and a half. Now, let's dive into some trends here. Penn State, four-and-one against the spread after a spread loss. They are nine-and-three against the number as a favorite, but they are one-and-five against the spread in their last six against the SEC. Arkansas, four-and-one against the spread as an underdog. And, uh, and honestly, it's much better than that. Uh, you know, if you start digging back through Sam Pittman, they're 16 7 and 1 against the spread in their last 24 games. That is not too bad. Not too bad. A lot of opt outs, a lot of different things going on here. Uh, Brent Pry, the defensive coordinator for Penn State, is the new head coach at Virginia Tech. He is already in Blacksburg. So, uh, Arkansas on the other side. Uh, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver. Defensive end, Trey Williams. Both have opted out for the NFL. Penn State has got several, several defenders that are out, linebacker Brooks, uh, the safety Brisker, the wide receiver Dotson, et cetera, and there's more. Uh, Just no real way of knowing exactly what you're going to get out of either side of this. Uh, Arkansas's passing game was heavily, heavily reliant on Burks, and their defense, getting pressure, a lot of that was Williams. So I'm curious which version of these teams we're actually going to get going forward. Parker, I'm going to start off with you. Penalty yards on this, Arkansas number 106, Penn State number 55. Turnover margin, uh, both are pretty good. Number 32, Arkansas, number 27, Penn State. Uh, without Burks, the Arkansas offense uh, is going to be reliant on the run, I think. But I'm, I'm just curious how we can even measure any of this stuff. <laughs> uh, give, me, give me your thoughts on this one
3: this is one where the opt-outs hurt again obviously i don't brain i don't blame any players i don't hold it against them for doing what's best for their future and the incentive structure of the bulls like that makes a lot of sense but man this one Ooh, this one stinks because I do think that at full strength, this could have been one of the best games uh, of bowl season here. Um, you know, you talk about Arkansas with and without Burks. Uh, they're, they're 39th in offensive EPA. Um, they are 15th in offensive uh, EPA per pass, even as they're 50th in success rate. I mean, that is about as as big play reliant as you get. That's a huge split there. Uh, 0.219 EPA per pass. Of course, they will be able to dry, um, excuse me to draw some things up to kind of create some explosive. But when you look at what Burks has done uh, this season, I mean, so much of what he's been able to do is get the ball in space and then create yards after the contact. If we look, he's averaging 16.9 yards per reception um, and he is averaging 9.3 yards after the catch per reception on an average depth of target of only nine yards. Basically they're saying, hey, we'll get you the ball inside 10 yards and then we're going to let you take it another 10 yards. He's just so explosive. So um, without that, I, I think that, Uh, the casual football fan is pretty excited about the creativity of Arkansas's offense and and what they'll be able to do or be forced to do um, outside of that. Obviously, if you're talking about, you know, players on and off Penn State with and without Sean Clifford, uh, with and without a healthy Sean Clifford this season has been Jekyll and Hyde. They've been losing to Illinois bad or, Uh, You know, up 17 to three on Iowa, depending on where Clifford was and and how he was healthy. So with him in the game and some time to heal up, I think this offense is way better than their 96th EPA per play overall. Um, I have this game as a true toss up. It's a really good clash of styles. Penn State 21st in early downs rush rate. Arkansas 117th. Um, both teams are, are pretty good on early downs, um, especially on uh, the Arkansas side of things. Arkansas is 32nd in early downs EPA, and Penn State's defense is 17th. So again, opt-outs are the reason I don't have a play here, but I think you can hear as a football fan, man, I was really excited for this one, and I still think there's going to be a lot of interesting storylines here. Um, I, I have this total toss-up, um, and so I, I mean, slight lean towards Arkansas if motivation was the same, if opt-outs weren't there. But, uh, but I don't have a play just because, again, the information here is, is pretty um, uncertain for me.
1: No, that definitely, definitely does make sense. Kyle, uh, Arkansas, number 33 offensive PPA per drive. Penn State, number 25 on defense. Uh, on the other side, Penn State, number 94 offensive PPA per drive. But, of course, those numbers are skewed because, as Parker just said, when you got a healthy Sean Clifford, it's just a vast difference, right? Uh, which way are you looking on this ballgame? Yeah, it's definitely a big difference
2: with uh, Sean Clifford. However, it hurts a lot not to have Jahan Dotson, certainly. I mean, just a massive, massive key. I think he has 140-some targets on the year. So, I mean, Penn State is focused on him in a big way. 91 receptions, almost 1,200 yards. Uh, 12 touchdowns. So Dotson missing and Burks missing. You have your two superstar, uh, offensive players out. And then like Gary said, I mean, Williams is easily Arkansas's, uh, you know, best defensive player. And then on the other side, Penn state with four guys out of the front seven, uh, you know, Arkansas has to run here, but they might be able to run here. I would think, uh, Penn State, if you look at them uh, run defense grade, they were outside the top 70 at PFF. So uh, they had a couple really bad games. We know the Illinois game where they gave up all the rushing yards and that kind of skews their average a bit. But I'm not convinced that that Penn State can stop the run consistently in this game. They were number 81 at PFF and run defense grade. Um, You know, the key here is obviously Arkansas running the ball versus Penn State uh, defense. Penn State... Uh, you know, it's not consistently stopped the run. I think uh, Pittman, you know, Gary said Pittman's been a good moneymaker ATS. He's a good coach, a good motivator, um, a fun coach, certainly. Uh, and, and Franklin, though, has been good in bowl games, six and three against the spread. So, you know, I will say the public is betting Arkansas like it's free money here. 86 percent of the money is on Arkansas uh that that, it's surprising to me i think it's mainly penn state has so many opt-outs is probably why and uh you know the public will get more heavy on this game as it gets even closer so it'll be interesting to see what happens as this game gets even closer here but um i wanted to like the under in this game guys but the tempo is really quick for both teams they play really quickly And, you know, you got a lot of really key defensive guys out, as well as those two big offensive guys. It's really hard to bet a game like this. Uh, Like Parker said, this could have been one of the funnest games uh, in bowl season. And like Parker, I don't blame the guys for opting out. I kind of wish that less people did it. You know, maybe it's selfishly, but, uh, you know, or maybe that's me just being a bit old school, kind of like Gary. Uh, Gary likes the old man football. Gary, I was thinking about you the other night when – Minnesota was just running it down West Virginia's throat get a play after oh. play and using I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> Gary has to be enjoying this
1: game that has to be it's, uh, thing, yeah, Brett but, Bielema Brett Bielema was the one that said it was borderline erotic so yeah that's I, I felt the same <laughs> way about that ball game. They, there you
2: go yeah that but I mean I think Arkansas will try to run just about every play in this game right why would they throw very much uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen and honestly um, Jefferson will probably run quite a bit in this game too so um I slightly lean here to Arkansas. I don't love that the public's betting it so heavily, but um, I slightly lean to Arkansas, but uh, I don't want to bet this game.
1: Uh, Kendall Bryles is the offensive coordinator. Uh, Everybody seems to think that he loves to sling the ball around, but uh, the truth of the matter is he loves zone reads. He loves being able to run the football. He just finds his best athletes space, and that's what I would imagine he will try and do here. He's going to pinpoint some mismatches. And he is uh, very much in the vein of Joe Moorhead, where if he finds something that works, he will continue to do it over and over and over again. It's just, can you find it against this Penn State defense? And with so many defenders out, I would imagine there will be a mismatch somewhere. Uh, But with that said, with all the opt-outs, everything else, we do not have an official play on this, Uh, but that is two leans, if I'm not mistaken, hopefully I remember that right, two leans towards Arkansas on this, uh, and I ain't touching it. I ain't touching it. All right, so we will move on. We have another New Year's Six game, and this is the Fiesta Bowl. Oklahoma State taking on Notre Dame, and the Fighting Irish are a two-point favorite. Total sits at 45 and a half. Now, Oklahoma State five and zero against the spread in their last five bowl games. They are nine one and one against the number in their last eleven games. They are five and one against the spread as a neutral underdog. So, lots of things leaning their direction. Notre Dame 7-0 against the number in their last seven games. They really, really turned the corner middle of the year. They are 7-2 against the spread in their last nine neutral site games. They are 18-7-1 against the spread in their last 26 against teams with a winning record. So they certainly rise to the level of competition. Oklahoma State defensive coordinator Jim Knowles is staying. He has been game planning. He is calling this game for the Oklahoma State defense. And that is a pretty big deal. Uh, we still do not have any official word, if I'm not mistaken, about running back Jalen Warren uh, for Oklahoma State, and that's a pretty big issue for that offense. They really kind of relied on him, and when he was not available in the Big 12 title game, uh, that, that cost him, cost him quite a bit. Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly is gone. Marcus Freeman takes over, the defensive coordinator. This is his debut. He is the head guy in charge. Uh, no Kyle Hamilton, the safety. They will not have their running back, Kyron Williams. He has opted out for this game. Uh, Kyle, let's start off with you on this. Uh, You know that I like turnover margin, et cetera. Oklahoma State down at number 72, Notre Dame at number 19. Even with some of the stuff that happened early in the season, Notre Dame was able to get enough takeaways, et cetera, uh, down the stretch that they kind of turned those numbers around. Oklahoma State penalty yards, number 78 in the country. Notre Dame, number 49. Uh, Oklahoma State can't throw the football. Uh, The numbers are not good when you start to look at it and Notre Dame's defense has quietly gotten really, really good. So uh, Kyle, you know, what are you looking at when it comes to the fighting Irish and the Cowboys here?
2: Well, like you said, uh, we don't know about Warren and then Desmond Jackson transferred. So we you know Jackson came up what, like five or six inches short of Oklahoma state, probably being in the playoff at this point, honestly, um, you know, that was, Quite the finish there against Baylor. I think it's a credit to Oklahoma State that we don't have a bunch of guys opting out of this one. You know, the the guys seem to still be pretty amped for this game. Um, I've said many times before, Mike Gundy's been a good ATS money maker, sixty percent against the spread in his career. He's ten and five in bowl games, nine and six against the spread. Marcus Freeman um, at Notre Dame. I think the players are excited to to play for Marcus Freeman. I think uh, he's he's really got. A lot of support from this team it would surprise me if notre dame doesn't come out and play really hard in this one i don't really think that either team uh would be unmotivated here i, I think we're gonna see a really good game I'm, I'm pumped for this one i think this will be a great game um kyron williams had been running the ball really well lately so uh you know it hurts for notre dame not to have him because they they couldn't run the ball at all at the beginning of the season they ran much better uh here later in the season Uh, Season long numbers say Oklahoma State certainly has the better defense. Notre Dame has the better offense. Um, You know, Spencer Sanders is who he is. You know, we know Spencer Sanders, he can run some, but he can't throw. Um, they, They don't have any passing game. Uh, Both defenses to me have a clear advantage, you know, Notre Dame shouldn't be able to run on Oklahoma State's run defense, which is number five in yards per carry allowed. Uh, Spencer Sanders can't throw on on Notre Dame here. Uh, Even without Hamilton, I would say Notre Dame has a top 15 or 20 secondary in the country. Um, You know, can Oklahoma State run it here? Probably not too much. I lean to the under in this game. I know it's a pretty low number, but I think this will be a close game, and I'm going to lean to the under. Um,
1: I don't even know what I would bet if I bet a side, so I'm, I'm going to let Parker talk about the side. Well, so, yeah, let's, let's get Parker in here. I, I don't know that Notre Dame in their last six games or however long it's been since they played Cincinnati has played anybody comparable to Oklahoma State's defense. Uh, with Jim Knowles at the, at the helm, they are feisty, they are ridiculously good. Uh, so long as the offense doesn't give easy points away, it's very difficult to score on this defense. Uh, the under 45-and-a-half for for Kyle, what he's leaning, I, I certainly lean that way as well. Um, again, with opt-outs, with the running back out, et cetera, can you trust Spencer Sanders, et cetera? Wh- which way are you looking at this, Parker?
3: Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the teams that Notre Dame has played down, Stretch. I mean, I, I don't think there's a team better than 500 in, in any of these. Uh uh and and so, so I mean, uh just just a really, really bad stretch, which good teams beat bad teams, and Notre Dame obviously looked better down the stretch, but that strength of schedule is a red flag for me. Um that that being said, it's it's not like they were doing things poorly at the beginning of the season that they just magically started doing really, really well. Um, that running game really didn't ever take off. Um, They are 78th in epa per rush uh kyron williams i mean averaging only 4.9 yards per carry and 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 a rushing success rate of 38.3 is 76th in the nation that is uh just uh so odd for me to see what notre dame did last year in the run game and then what they weren't able to do this year in the run game despite the fact that they settled down in the passing game more or less down the stretch um I do think that Oklahoma State's defense has a clear advantage here, but much like the game uh, against Baylor, uh, Oklahoma State's offense is at such a disadvantage against Notre Dame, even, even if they were full strength. Um, what a lot of people I don't think realized about the Big 12 championship game was you know, center Danny Gotlewski was out, uh, a tight end, a reserve uh Offensive linemen as well. They were they were pretty banged up. Not to mention Warren going out with that that heel or ankle injury, um, and, and and that's really the the bedrock there. Is you take someone like Spencer Sanders who's limited downfield. You take someone like Brennan Presley, the wide receiver, who's really good at creating action after the play, um, and you realize well that that's going to be slow developing necessarily, right? To get him the ball, we're going to have to get him in space, let him go yards after carry. And um, if the offensive line has some issues uh, that that's going to be worrisome to me. And I do think that Notre Dame is going to be able to press Oklahoma State's offense here. Um, it is kind of funny that Jim Knowles did is sticking around for this game. I do believe if I have this right. Ohio State is playing Notre Dame to start the season next year. And so, oh, yes, he's dipping on on game prep here, which, man, shout out to him. That's great. He got paid. He's being smart here. So um, this this Notre Dame offense is, is 58th in EPA per play. And this Oklahoma State offense is 92nd. So, yes, I lean towards an under. Um, but, man, I think I like Notre Dame to cover here just because you look at the emotional letdown of oklahoma state being so close to the playoff beating oklahoma in bedlam and then coming up literal inches uh from from uh, just an amazing season plus some of their issues on the front uh, uh front of the line there um and and some guys defensively that have been hurt as well um any kind of big play potential that they're going to have notre dame's defense second in epa per pass 46th in the epa per rush and uh, the big one for me always look at this uh, 13th on third and fourth down success, whereas Oklahoma State's offense is 52nd. So um, I, I really think it's going to be a rough day for the Oklahoma State offense. And they're not going to be able to create those yards after catching the pass game. That that has hallmarked their success all season. Um, that being said, Notre Dame is, is, is not particularly undisciplined with turnovers and with field position. Oklahoma State's done well kind of being annoying in those um areas this, this year. So I think the advantage here is, is with Notre Dame. Um and, and my my numbers have them uh just a little more than a field goal, um, almost almost four points. And so I, I I like them in this in this number of two here.
1: And that does make sense. I mean, one turnover can totally flip this game around because it's pretty evenly matched. And at this point, you would almost have to uh bank on a, <laughs> a Spencer Sanders turnover, uh, which pains me to say. It's this is gonna be a fun defensive game to watch. I think it will be a little bit smash-mouthy. You guys know I love defense. Uh, so let's make it official. Parker has the one pick on this and he is riding with the Fighting Irish to cover the two. Now, before we move on, let me go ahead and remind everybody, like the video for us if you have not done so thus far, and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. Of course, the chat is hopping uh, just in case and Eric, et cetera. Uh, They are all talking about this North Carolina and South Carolina game that's happening right now which it appears that South Carolina is starting a wide receiver at quarterback, and he is 4-4 for 89 yards and a touchdown already. Uh, this is why we said don't bet on North Carolina. They're inconsistent. I mean, what do, you want, what, what do you want us to do? But continue jumping into the chat. We want to know if you have any questions, et cetera. We will hit them at the end of the show uh, because we love to hear uh, what's going on with you guys. So, uh, the score Parker jumped into the chat. The score is 25 to 10 South Carolina right now. So (laughs) just bananas. I I love doing shows live while other games are going on, but let's, uh, let's move on. Let's continue on. We got four more games that we're going to hit in bowl season. We've got the citrus bowl with Iowa taking on Kentucky. The wildcats are a three point favorite. This is a 1 PM Eastern time game. The total is 44. Now, Looks kind of high for these two teams, but I don't think that uh, that it's too high. I really don't. Iowa, they are two and five against the spread in their last seven. They are five two and one against the spread as an underdog in their last eight. They are four and one against the spread in their non-conference games. Kentucky, ten and two against the spread. Their last twelve against the non-conference, and they are four and one against the spread against the Big Ten in their last five. They are twenty one seven and one against winning teams. Mark Stoops gets this bunch fired up for these big-time games. Now, uh, I want to start off with Parker on this. Uh, Kentucky did lose John Summerall, the co-DC, to uh, Troy. Uh, There's no real opt-outs expected, but Josh Ali and Isaiah Epps will not be playing because they were injured in a car accident just a few weeks ago, so they are out. Uh, Iowa running back Tyler Goodson has opted out, the cornerback Hankins is injured. This is going to be a little strange. I think the biggest talking point here, Parker is the turnover difference, right? Iowa number two in the country in turnover margin, Kentucky number one twenty-seven. Uh, Kentucky gets a little, uh, freehandish with the football from time to time. And Iowa will certainly take that thing away and, and score with it. That's almost the only way that they ever score. Like it's absurd. Uh, Parker, it, is there anything else to look at other than turnover margin here? Which direction would you lean?
3: Yeah, I actually like Kentucky here. I, I do think the motivation factor in Mark Stoops and bowl games is a significant historical indicator. Um, and, and I, I like we were talking about turnovers there. I think a couple weeks ago I um, pushed back on the Iowa turnovers against Michigan and said, hey, if we split them out, I wonder, um, you know, what does their margin look like? But uh, you, Kentucky's been so bad with turnovers. Um, I I really don't think that that's, I I think that's meaningful as well. And so, I mean, they're going to have to be plus turnovers to win this game because Iowa just cannot score unless you help them. Um, one thing to, uh, you know, you look at, um, you, you look at Will Levis and his, uh, interceptions kind of down the road. And, you know, he had three against Mississippi state, one against Tennessee, one against Vanderbilt, one against New Mexico state. And, um, you know, he only had, I think, six turnover-worthy plays in that stretch. And so there's some flukiness to those turnovers, right? Because it wasn't as uh, bad, like they weren't deserved turnovers per se, uh, you know, receiver-tipped or or whatever happened there. Um, the other thing to look at is, Uh, those last couple of games, he threw the ball more than he had, you know, the rest of the season at all. Obviously they're playing, um, uh, experimenting a little bit against Vanderbilt, New Mexico state and Louisville when they're up and, and uh, and then Mississippi state, Tennessee close games that they're trying to win. So just again, context there I think is, is important. He um, finished the season a a little bit better, especially in that Louisville game, looked really good. 77.8% completion in that game for Levis. And this, this offense is 35th in EPA per pass. They're 22nd, Things accelerate. I, I really do think that is good, and they'll be able to move the ball. Um, the turnovers is is key there. Um, but one thing where where Iowa's defense has has um, been a little bit. Worse, uh, or excuse me, a little bit better against the the rush. Kentucky hasn't fallen off. They've got you know a really strong rush game, a really strong um, kind of front uh, on, on offense there. Their fourth and third down uh, success, whereas Iowa is is only forty second on defense. So uh, all that to say, I do think that Kentucky should be able to move the ball well here. I do think with some preparation and some you know strategic consideration. Those turnovers may not be as big of a looming issue as they look with that turnover disparity. Um, and then on the flip side, I mean, I, you just can't say enough bad things about Iowa's offense. If Kentucky can avoid the dumb special teams play, the dumb turnover, um, there's there's no reason they shouldn't push Iowa around. Um, looking at what you know Nebraska did to, to Iowa, looking at what Michigan did to Iowa, I do believe that Kentucky is capable of that kind of uh, beefiness. And so I, 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 like Kentucky here, um, uh, against Iowa to, to kind of keep this thing rolling, especially on the offensive side of the ball.
1: That, uh, th- that does make sense, which kind of leads into the way that Kyle is leaning on this game. Uh, you know, Tyler Goodson being out, I think he was their, their main big play threat. Uh, and even that wasn't exactly big. Uh, you know, Kyle, give me some some thoughts on this. There's, I love what Parker said. There's not enough bad things to say about Iowa's offense. Um, <laughs> how do you want to How do you want to attack this?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, what am I supposed to say? Parker said it pretty well there. I mean, I, I was, <laughs> or, or Iowa's offense. You know, it's it's one of those things where um, I actually kind of like Iowa. You know, as a team, usually, and Ferrance is a good coach. I, I like the the Iowa. Um, first quarter ritual of waving to the kids up at the hospital. That's a, there's not a better one in, in college football. So it's, it's certainly not me disliking Iowa. It's just, I mean, we've seen time after time, Iowa, just nothing on offense. And that was with Goodson, who is probably their best offensive player. Now they have no Goodson, um, you know, negative 0.17 yards per play margin in their 10 and three. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, screams kind of fraudulent but iowa has done it this way many times um i just don't see how Iowa's going to score here i mean you know if, if iowa does anything good in this game, it would be keeping the game lower scoring and and, uh, making it really ugly. Or as Parker said, you know, maybe some pick sixes or something. Levis has done uh, some of that this year, certainly. But Iowa was 124th in the country in success rate, and that was with Goodson. Uh, Spencer Petras starting here, Padilla backing him up. Neither one of them have been any good. Uh, yeah, I don't think Iowa can consistently move the ball on, on Kentucky and Kentucky doesn't give up very many big plays. So, th- I mean, I-, I just don't see how Iowa's going to get to three touchdowns here. You know, I, I think the, uh, I bet us does a good job offering these team totals and I'm going to isolate the team total here on Iowa. Uh, Iowa is a hundredth in tempo Kentucky, 122nd. There's not going to be very many possessions in this game. Uh, we know that this is going to be a slow paced game. So unless Iowa pulls off several pick sixes or something, and obviously it could happen, it could burn me, but I really like the Iowa team total under a lot here. Uh, this, this is one of my favorite plays of the bowl season. So, you know, we'll see what they do to screw it up, you know, by by scoring on defense <laughs> and special teams and, you know, uh, five, uh, five yard touchdown drives or something like that. Certainly it's possible, but. If you just take this game and it's even somewhat normal, you know, uh, just I just don't see how Iowa can score many points here. So I I, I agree with Parker. I would certainly lean toward Kentucky. Um, I like Iowa team total under quite a bit.
1: That does make sense. Let's go ahead and make it official. Uh, Kyle likes the Iowa team total under twenty-two. I think that's actually moved to twenty-one and a half. Kyle, would you still take twenty-one and a half? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then uh, Parker likes Kentucky to cover the three. Uh, I'm going to stay away. I don't like the opt-outs. I don't like the injuries, et cetera. Um, I think it could get a little crazy, but I don't see a lot of points. I mean, these two teams, uh, Mark Stoops is an Iowa guy, so I, I, don't, I don't anticipate a blowout, but, uh, but I do like Kentucky to win, so I would, I would lean that way. Let's, uh, let's move on to the Rose Bowl. I know Kyle's got some thoughts on this one. We'll start off with him on this, but Ohio State, taking on Utah, and Utah, a four-and-a-half-point underdog here. Total sits at 64 points. Good gracious. Uh, Ohio State, 5-1 against the spread in their last six January games. They are 12-3-1 against the number against the Pac-12, and yes, that does include the loss to Oregon earlier this year. They are 6-2 and two against the spread in their last eight bowl games. Uh, Utah 5-1 against the spread against teams with a winning record. They are 4-1 against the spread as a bowl underdog in their last five. And they are 6-2 against the spread against the Big Ten. So lots of different things working both sides here. There are several, several opt-outs on the Ohio State side. Uh, We have Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Nicholas petit Frere. Uh, I hope I said that right, Kyle. Uh, Haskell Garrett, they've all opted out. Then, of course, there is the rumor on the other side. Utah is very excited about this. It is their first Rose Bowl. They are pumped about it. Uh, Is Kyle Whittingham going to retire after the game? That rumor has been around for multiple, multiple weeks. I can talk about it because I'm not saying anything official. I don't know one way or the other, but the rumor has been out there. Uh, Are they going to? I mean, there, it's hard to find a game where the motivation gap is this wide, right? I, I don't know that Ohio State cares a whole lot about being here, which is surprising with it being a Rose Bowl. But with Ohio State, it is national title or bust at this point. With Utah, it is completely different. They are so jacked to be there. They're actually doing the, uh, the Rose on the helmets, which I know Parker laughs about because TCU did it first. So... <laughs> Uh, but Kyle, for, I for the off- record,
3: like every team that's played in the Rose bowl has done that. That's yeah, a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so <laughs> uh, so, so I want to start off with Kyle here. Uh, you know, with that many guys out for Ohio state, I don't know whether the numbers actually matter here. Uh, CJ Stroud is going to play, but, uh, without Wilson, without Olave, you know, his, his weapon is going to be, uh, Smith and Jigba. So. Can Utah focus on that? Which which direction are you looking at with this game, Kyle? So I could talk about this game for a long time. So rein me (laughs) in
2: if I get out a little out of control (laughs) here, but uh, Utah is going to have the home crowd here. Definitely. I mean, they're requesting extra tickets, uh, buying tickets from Ohio State fans. Ohio State's been in the playoffs so many times that uh, fans are at least somewhat spoiled, it seems. You know, they, along with everything that going that's going on now, Pasadena's a long trip, uh, Utah's first Rose Bowl ever. For Ohio State, it feels like it's playoffs or bust, certainly. Um, no one from the Utes is opting out in this game. I mean, I, you know, everything going into this game for Utah, um, I kind of hope uh, Whittingham is not done after this year. I like Whittingham. He's a fun, fun coach, really good coach. Uh, Whittingham has been really good in bowl games, nine and five against the spread. I don't think it's fair to say Ohio state wouldn't care at all about this game. The majority of, uh, the players at Ohio state would want to win this game. However, there is certainly a gap in motivation. You know, Utah wants this game worse than anything, uh, you've seen in Ohio state, you know, they'd like to win the game. Uh, Certainly they, they want to bounce back. You know, it, it isn't a terrible spot for Ohio state because they, they lost last game. They should be kind of pissed off with how they played. Uh, certainly so. Uh, Utah supremely motivated. Ohio State should be at least somewhat motivated. Ohio State's offensive line has kind of struggled in pass blocking here of late. And Utah has 42 sacks, and then they're down uh, the key offensive linemen this week. Um, Stroud might be under pressure more than more than uh, some people would think. Stroud's wide receivers are still really good, even without those top two guys. Smith and Jigbo was the best of the three of them this year. Julian Fleming's going to be a really good player. Even Harrison will be good. They've they've got some really good uh, recruits, wide receivers. So uh, there's still a drop-off there, but I think that Ohio State's wide receivers are fine. Um, You know, the Buckeyes' defense is a problem. I mean, all throughout the season, I, I tried to tell everybody that Ohio State, even when they were looking pretty good on defense against teams like Rutgers and everybody like that, and this defense was was never very good. Their 58th in success rate allowed, 68th in uh, pass play success rate. Um, uh, Garrett, Haskell Garrett being out is a huge loss for Ohio State. Definitely their best defensive lineman. Uh, we saw Michigan run it down their throat, even with him in the game. Uh, I think Utah has an edge here. And, I, guys, I'm obviously a big Buckeyes fan. Everybody who's watched this show, uh, you know, throughout the course of the season, we appreciate all of you who have uh, know that by now. And I had to wear my Buckeyes hat today because, you know, it would, it would be bad if I didn't. Uh, you know, my son actually, I have the Utah hat. My son actually covered up the Utah hat with all my other hats because he <laughs> said it was bad that it was showing. So <laughs> it's funny. Uh, but I I will tell you, I, I'm a big Buckeyes fan, but this game means so much to Utah. I would have been worried about this uh, matchup even without all the opt-outs for Ohio state. And with the opt-outs for Ohio state um, I kind of hate to be saying it, but I would bet Utah if I was betting this game, definitely. And I, I I've seen far worse bets than Utah on the money line in this game. I think this game means so much to Utah that I certainly think Utah can win this game.
1: I, I did take Utah. I got them at plus seven early, uh, I bet the money line early and I, I, I would still take them at four and a half. Before we get to Parker, uh, the biggest discrepancy that I'm seeing here: Utah number eleven offensive rushing success rate against Ohio State, who is number one twenty-four since week seven. Uh, Utah number four True. PPA per rush against Ohio State number eighty-four uh, defensive rushing PPA. In uh, that since week seven, like that's the end of the season. I, give me obviously Ohio State should have an advantage throwing the football. But Utah can really get after uh, a quarterback. So I'm, I'm curious which direction your numbers would say uh, this game should be going. I mean, I've, I'm obviously going Utah, but, uh, but which way would you lean?
3: Yeah, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a well, actually. and I'm really excited about this because I don't do it often. But I, I do think that the well actually here is like, how much extra credit do I give Utah for beating Oregon twice? How much more information do I get? Obviously their PPA per rush goes way up. Their rushing success rate goes up. I don't know how much more information that gives me as to the relative quality of teams for, for Utah on the flip side, uh, man, I didn't know I was going to be this guy, but like Ohio state definitely had the flu before the Michigan game. Uh, did that matter? Was that part of what was going on there? I mean, I, I think in terms of the perceived physicality, um, that there's not, uh, there's not as big big asymmetry as it seems with what Utah kind of wants to do on the ground. That being said, full strength, no opt-outs. There's no reason Ohio State shouldn't cover seven points easy. The way that they can extend horizontally in the passing game, Utah's defense is slightly better against the pass versus the rush. 27th in EPA per pass, 53rd in EPA per rush. But the quarterbacks they've played, look at the offenses that they've played, especially down the stretch there. That Pac-12, surprisingly thin. Um, And with 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 what, um, you know, they're able to do offensively. And so, of course, Ohio State is way more explosive there. Um, A a couple of things that I think are also interesting, you know, Ohio State's weak link is that passing secondary. They're 65th in EPA per pass with Cam rising in Utah's played it better. They, um, you know, they're 32nd in, in passing success rate, but they're 61st in EPA per pass. 57% Uh, 57% of Cam Rising's passes uh, occur the 10 yard line, 10 yards or shorter. Uh, n- not a lot of downfield passing for utah at all and so um they're, they're gonna run early and often they're 21st in rushing success rate again against a, a weaker pac-12 schedule but they're first in epa per rush uh ohio state has been really good against those explosive rush plays though 22nd in epa per rush on defense 49th in defensive success rate especially uh that number gets better when you account for some of those um Garbage time and stuff against Michigan as well. So um, we'll be interesting. Again, another another really fun uh, measure of style. You've got Utah rushing fifty seven percent of the time. Uh, that's ninetieth in the nation, and Ohio State rushing forty three percent of the time, which is eleventh in the nation. So really, really fun. Uh, if everything was equal, uh, Ohio State was one of my bets, um, and I do wonder if there's not going to be some value in Ohio state, just because that line has moved so much. And, and I do think that they are more talented. Um, obviously CJ Stroud is really, really good. Obviously Ohio state has some talented wide receivers, even if they're not as experienced. Um, but yeah, if you if you bet this one earlier, I think you're feeling really really good about uh, about Utah and some points here uh, with the opt outs for Ohio State. I, I still believe Ohio State's offense can do some um, damage, but I'm not going to make this one of my plays just because uh, again, without those guys, without the practice time, it's 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 hard to divine who's going to be motivated, what that's going to look like. I mean, you'd expect players to be motivated for the Rose Bowl. Like if, if Rose Bowl's a game that that has become meaningless. Uh, what are we doing here? And so I, I think that, that this will be a te- uh, I don't think motivation will be an issue here. I think both teams will be able to get up for this uh, big storied game.
1: Oh, most certainly. Most certainly. I, I will tell you this. Uh, once you get into the game, I don't know that anybody is unmotivated to win. That just it, Athletes compete and, yeah. and competitors want to win. Bottom line. So I, I don't imagine that will be it. It's, uh, it's who's going into the game. I, I really like Utah in this spot. So I am going to make it official. I am going to be the one that plays them. I like Utah plus four and a half. I've already taken them at seven. So I've got a little bit of closing line value here, but, uh, but yeah, unless that thing gets back out to seven, seven and a half, in which case I might hit it again. So we'll see. (laughs) Let's, uh, let's move on. We got two more games to discuss. We're going to start off with the sugar bowl. That is the last game on new year's day. Baylor taking on Ole Miss and the rebels favored by one and a half points down in new Orleans, uh, 55 and a half is the total here. So you got Lane Kiffin going up against Dave Aranda in a very interesting coaching matchup. Two kind of different styles, but two teams that really love to run the football. Baylor 4-1 against the spread as a bowl underdog in their last five in that role. 9-3 against the spread in their last 12 games. They are 15-5-1 against the spread their last 21 games as an underdog. That is is a big-time covering rate. Ole Miss 4-0-1 against the spread as a bowl favorite. They are 7-0-1 against the spread as a neutral site favorite. And they are five and one against the spread against teams with a winning record, which Baylor certainly fits. Uh, Jeff Levy is gone to Oklahoma. That is Ole Miss's offensive coordinator. Uh, Mohamed Sanagu is uh, transferring to Louisville. He is sitting out. He's the linebacker for Ole Miss. Uh, The quarterback, Jerry Bohannon, is going to start in this game. We don't know how healthy he is, uh, but Shapen is now out with an injury. He is the one that actually, uh, I guess you could say won the Big 12 title game. Uh how healthy is Bohan and I think is going to be a major, major question mark. But there's all kind of things at play here. Uh penalty yardage. Ole Miss number 125 in the country. Baylor's number 48. Turnover margin. Both of these are pretty good. Baylor number 14, Ole Miss number seven. Uh can the Ole Miss defense stop the Baylor rushing attack? I think Dave Aranda and and that offense would be perfectly fine with just running on almost every play. I, I really do. I think they would be perfectly fine with that. Parker, I want to start off with you on this one. I, I know that you have done some deep dives into Baylor a little bit this season. Uh, what can we look for out of them against both the Ole Miss offense? I mean, with a month to prepare, Dave Aranda has been able to shut down offenses uh, just as good as this. Uh, the fact that Matt Corral is playing is certainly a good thing, but which which way would you lean here? <sighs>
3: Yeah, I mean, this this game, my line has this Ole oh, 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 Miss by two. I'm not super confident about that uh, because I do think that Baylor is really good at kind of squeezing out value at the margin. Um, I, I will note that Baylor has been positive in turnovers in every game except two this season. One against Kansas, uh, which doesn't really matter. They were up big. And then the game they lost at TCU um, where Bohannon threw uh, 200, two interceptions and and they, they just kind of looked a little off. Um, Baylor's offense is is not uh exceptionally good they're they're good at a couple of things one they're good at uh getting out of their own way and um not getting in too big of holes and then they're really good at playing third down for two downs and so they're 33rd in third and fourth down success, even as they're 47th in early downs EPA, which, which is why their offense is so good. They're, they, comparable to other offenses who perform the same on early downs, their average EPA is so much higher simply because they are going for and getting some of these uh, very, very laid downs. They're way more aggressive. They have the most um, uh, the most fourth down attempts of, of any offense in the, this year. Um, the, the one thing I'll say about Baylor's defensive uh, prowess overall, Jalen Petrie, absolute freak, um, really, really talented guy who could be in coverage, who can rush, who can play run defense uh, all over the field. They call him a, you know, a jack or a star position. And um, I, I think that they've got a lot of dudes. They're obviously very motivated, very well coached, very disciplined. Their secondary, their corners and their safeties are not excellent. Um, they, they, there's definitely some ability to be exploited if you can find um if you can find the receivers so you look at what happened with caleb williams against baylor oklahoma's quarterback um they were open place there were you know if, if caleb williams was not trying to make these big downfield plays if he was taking what was there there would have been a lot more chunk plays for oklahoma um and so definitely ole miss has that on film i think that Matt corral's experience obviously probably a little bit better of a processor than than caleb williams for instance um I like Baylor in this spot. I think that if there was a motivation gap here, obviously Baylor being in the Sugar Bowl just a couple of years ago, um, having a really, really- season uh, despite you know firing their offensive coordinator having a lot of uncertainty on offense uh it means they'll be motivated but if you look at some of the aggregate numbers on this offense they really need a turnover against oklahoma state they did not score on a drive that did not start in uh opposing territory really really rough there um that being said oklahoma or excuse me Ole Miss's offense uh hmm, all over the place there sorry Ole Miss's defense, 126 in EPA per rush, 126 in rushing success rate. They are susceptible to the rush there. So um, I don't have a strong lean. I've got, I've you know, again, Ole Miss by two is the numbers. But um, a very interesting matchup here between a team I see as kind of chaotic and reckless in a good way, Ole Miss, and a team I see as kind of a little more conservative, a little more wrapped up in, in Baylor.
1: And so, Kyle, uh, when I look at this, uh, Parker hit all the numbers that I was expecting him to hit. Uh, I do see, you know, Baylor number 11 in stuff rate defense since week seven, but they are number 117 in defensive rushing explosiveness allowed at Ole Miss, you know, Matt Corral, uh, Ely, Connor, et cetera. All these guys that can possibly generate explosive run plays. I'm, I'm curious whether or not they'll be able to do anything about it. Uh, I do expect kind of a lower scoring game you know, it's 55 and a half for a total. Ole Miss games typically have been in the 60s, some in the 70s for the totals. Are, are we looking at Baylor just holding on to the football, being able to run against Ole Miss's defense and just keeping the ball away from them? Is that kind of which way you would look at this?
2: Well, for the total here, um, you know, Ole Miss, they feel like a great over team, but surprisingly they're nine unders and three overs so far this year. Their last six games have all been 52 points or less total, which is really surprising. Having said that, uh, you know, um, this this total opened 50 and a half or 51. I don't know why I didn't bet that right away. I'm betting an over. Um, Actually, I I do know why I didn't. I was trying to wait to see how many opt outs there were. But, you know, now I get, you know, a line that's five points worse. Um, I kind of still lean to the over in this one. I, I think Baylor's offense has been really well coached this year. Um, 34th in offensive success rate, 29th in yards per play. Ole Miss defense is still pretty bad. I mean, they're, they're 104th in defensive success rate, 124th in rushing play success rate. The concern I do have about the over is Baylor probably does want to run the football every time, like Gary said, and they probably would like to play keep away in this game. So, uh, you know, as the total gets a little bit higher, it makes me be, uh, you know, a little bit sketchy on this one because I'm afraid that Baylor would want a lower scoring game. Uh, Baylor's offensive line is excellent. Their third PFF and pass blocking grade and 16th in run blocking grade. So I think they should be able to move the ball and score here. So on the other side, Ole Miss, offensively, you know, I, uh, without their offensive coordinator, I mean, they Lane Kiffin knows plenty about offense, so uh, I'm not I'm not worried about that. You know, Matt Corral playing in this game is fun. I like that he's playing in this one. 58% of their plays have been a run this year. Uh, Baylor is good at stopping the run, uh, as you said. And, uh, Parker made the point that I was going to make as well. Baylor's secondary is really not great. You know, they, they do have some weaknesses in the secondary. 62nd in coverage grade at PFF. I think Corral can uh, make some things happen in the past game. Also, this game in a dome on a fast track. Uh, two offenses who are better than defenses on paper. I, I think the Ole Miss offense is better than the Baylor defense. Baylor is well-coached defense, certainly. But talent-wise, I take the Ole Miss offense, certainly. Baylor's offense is definitely better than the Ole Miss defense. So even with recent unders, I'm going to kind of go against that trend and lean toward an over. I don't know what to do about the side here. I think both of these teams are really well coached. I'm looking forward to this game.
1: And this certainly feels like a field goal kind of game. Uh, The matchup between Baylor offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes and Ole Miss defensive coordinator DJ Durkin. Uh, Durkin's defense, for all the numbers that have been bad, they have not given up a ton of points this year. And and I don't know exactly how. I mean, it's a bend but don't break kind of situation for them. Um, but I think that's going to be a fascinating matchup, along with you know Kiffin against Aranda's defense. So I I love this matchup. I love the two different styles. Uh, we're going to see a lot of runs. So that might hurt the uh, the over chances, but maybe it doesn't. When you got two rushing teams that can be kind of explosive against these defenses, I I would expect points certainly on that fast track, like you said. So. We do not have an official play on this one. Uh, Too many questions. Looks like it might be a field goal game either way. Maybe last team with the ball wins. We shall see on that. We do have one more game to discuss, and that would be Tuesday, January 4th, 9 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN, the Texas Bowl, Kansas State against LSU. And what a weird spot to put a bowl game, you know, (laughs) like just Tuesday, January 4th, right in the middle of the week. Uh, you know, all the other bowl games are done. Let's uh, let's toss out Kansas State and LSU. We'll get a lot of purple on your screen. That ought to work fine. LSU is a three-and-a-half-point dog here, uh, juiced at minus 105. The total is 48. LSU, 6-0 against the spread against the Big 12 in their last six in that spot. They are 5-0 against the spread, their last five in a neutral site game. They are 5-1 against the spread in their last six bowl games. They are 3-1-1 one one in their last five against winning teams. Even though the team has not been great this year, they have risen to the occasion. Kansas State, 4-1 against the spread as a neutral site fave. They are 3-8 against the spread in their last 11 bowl games. They are 1-3-1 and one after a straight-up loss. All right, so now that we've got all the betting trends out of the way, uh, who is going to play quarterback for LSU? They have not announced. We have no idea. It could be a wide receiver, we think. It could be a walk-on freshman. Uh, it could be Garrett Nussmeyer, but uh, if, from what I understand, if Nussmeyer plays, he burns his red shirt. His waiver was denied by the NCAA. So uh, I doubt that LSU is going to do anything to hurt their prospects going forward. So they will play somebody here, I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to, how to even gathered that information in my head. Uh, Kansas State fired their offensive coordinator, uh, Courtney Messingham. Uh, The interim OC is Colin Klein. So for those that used to watch Bill Snyder's offenses back in like the early 2010s, late 2000s, Colin Klein was the quarterback back then. Uh, Defensive end, Neil Farrell, and the uh, wide receiver, Trey Palmer, will not play for LSU. And I'm sure that there will be other opt-outs as well. Kyle, let's start with you on this. Uh, This is such a weird game. Such a weird game. Uh, Skylar Thompson is going to play quarterback for Kansas State. But I don't know what to even make of LSU in this spot. I don't know who's playing. I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that they are even playing in the bowl game. Like, (laughs) I don't know why. The SEC had 13 bowl teams this year out of 14 teams. Uh, Some of them, I thought, might have declined the option. Given the circumstances, and I thought LSU might be one of those, but maybe these guys are fired up to play. I have no idea. Uh, which which way are you looking at this, Kyle? So for
2: me, this game's far less about the numbers of what happened throughout the course of the season than it is about it's more about motivation. Um, does LSU care about this game? I'm Like you said, I'm kind of surprised they're going to this game. Um, hopefully this won't be like a last minute uh, cancellation or something like that. We, I'd like to at least be able to see a game on Tuesday. Um, You know, I I think Kansas State should be fired up about this game. Why would they not want to beat LSU? Uh, Kleiman's been an ATS covering machine. You know, guys guy's been amazing. And you guys already know this, but, uh, you know, viewers and listeners should know that Skylar Thompson is a massive upgrade from Will Howard. Just massive. I I think Thompson is pretty underrated. Um, LSU, loads of opt-outs. I think there'll be many more of them coming. Uh, we don't know who's going to be quarterback for them. How can you bet a team that you don't even know who's going to be quarterback? And I I don't know why they would burn uh, uh, Nussmeier. I don't think they would do that. Um, You know, Kansas State's offense, I'm kind of surprised they fired the offensive coordinator. They were actually pretty good this year. You know, 28th in success rate on offense. And some of the games that they weren't very good, it was really because Will Howard was there instead of Skyler Thompson. Um, You know, I I don't see how LSU scores very much in this game. Kansas State's defense has been uh, better here of late. Um, I trust Kleiman to have his team ready for this game. A uh, pretty strong lead here to uh, Kansas State for me.
1: At the total plays per game, uh, Kansas State is sitting at number 130. Out of all of the FBS teams, they are dead last. Uh, I would expect them to to kind of drag this thing out, play keep away quite a bit. Uh, but again, if you don't know who's actually playing in the game, I mean, it, it is is what it is. Parker, I... Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this. I mean, we can look at turnover margin. We can look at penalty. We can look at all this stuff. Uh, it doesn't really matter if we have no idea who's playing quarterback or who's actually going to be on the field. Uh, it was much the same way with the Oregon-Oklahoma game last night, which, boy, what a bonkers game that was. Uh, wh- what are you thinking about this
3: one? I actually heard a report that you were going to start a quarterback for LSU, so um, <laughs> it, might be, it might be any of us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, this, this game is not an official, this game is not an official pick for me because I bet this one, it opened at Kansas state plus two and a half. I was like, yep, I'm in on that. And so now that they're a favorite, obviously the value is a little bit different there. But, um, uh, I think one thing to note about Kansas state is that they have the most explosive player in the field in Deuce Vaughn who has 38, uh, rushes of, of 10 plus yards and, um, uh, you know, what is it? 21 first downs through the air. Um, really, really explosive receiver, just all around player. If you look at Kansas State's game log, the games that they have lost that are kind of uh, disappointing um, in, in that they they lost to Oklahoma State uh, at home in a close game. They lost to Baylor uh, on senior night. They lost at Texas to end the season um, against Oklahoma State and against Texas. Uh, Skyler Thompson was hurt and out against Baylor. He had uh, broken ribs that came out and he tried to play through it and was severely limited. And so when Thompson has been healthy, they've been great. I, I agree. I think the Messingham uh, offensive coordinator fire was a little bit of misguided energy. Although you could argue that um, someone is responsible for having the quarterback situation be so bad uh, if, if your starter gets hurt. And so um I do believe this is kind of an audition for Colin Klein to get the uh, offensive coordinator job. And with Thompson healthy, with Vaughn healthy, I do think this Kansas state offense is, is severely underrated. That being said, um, I, I thought this was the same spot uh, for LSU against uh, Texas A&M, where I thought end of the season, they were going to mail it in. Who knows if they've uh, exhausted all of their good, their good mojo or whatever. Um, but uh, w- one thing to note, uh, LSU with Max Johnson and was actually a pretty okay passing offense, 45th in EPA, Per pass, fifty fourth in passing success rate. Kansas State's defense is ninety seventh in EPA per pass. Granted, uh, you know who's who's playing quarterback, and so that doesn't actually matter. But at times they did look good this season. Um, this one, this one will probably be chaotic and weird. It might be forgettable, but I am glad I got Kansas State as an underdog uh, early earlier on this one.
1: I uh, I am leaning. Not, you know what? I'm not leaning. I've already played it. So let me go ahead and give out my official play on this. I'm I'm taking LSU's team total under 22-and-a-half here. Uh, if you go back, you look through their schedule, uh, five of their last uh, eight games, they have scored less than 21 points. And that, that includes, they only scored 27 against Louisiana Monroe uh, towards the end of the season. They scored 13 against Arkansas, uh, 14 against Alabama, 17 against Ole Miss, 21 against Kentucky, 19 against Auburn, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, without a quarterback, without all this different stuff going on. We got no idea who's actually, you know, calling plays or any... I, I think Jake Pete is calling the plays. But regardless, we don't know much about LSU other than Kansas State is going to try and keep the ball away from them. Uh, at least that's how I feel Colin Klein is going to do this. Uh, and if that is the case, I think LSU's not going to score a lot of points. That's, I, this seems like one of those kind of smash-mouth ball games. Uh, might be a lot of running, etc. I, I think, I think... LSU team total under 22 and a half is the official play for me. With that said, I think we're done here. We just covered all of the bowl games in six different shows. I'm kind of excited about this, and we're gonna have the national championship <laughs> next week. So uh, I don't see, I don't see any Q and A. So we're gonna go ahead and hit our recap. So let's start off with this, Parker. Let's let's get you to give us your picks for this show
3: yeah so i'm 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 going with uh alabama as the favorite in the semifinal and michigan as the underdog in the other semifinal and then uh, i like notre dame minus two and kentucky minus three to round out my bowl slate
1: nice nice i've got three myself i've got georgia team total under 25 and a half i like utah plus four and a half and i'm going to take lsu's team total under 22 and a half like i just talked about kyle what you got
2: so I like Iowa team total under uh, quite a bit here. And Gary, I have to say, I really like your LSU team total under as well. So I think I'm going to be betting that one as well, personally. I try to stay low volume here because of all the shenanigans here in bowl season, but I'm going to take the Iowa team total under. And I also really personally like that LSU team total under.
1: Most certainly. Uh, we do have one Q&A here. Uh, any thoughts on the Sun Bowl weather for the over? Uh, Kyle, you got a thought on that one? Um, I haven't seen anything that... Uh, pointed
2: toward there being really bad weather, but uh, I'll admit I haven't really looked at that here today. So maybe there was a change on that one. I do kind of like the over in that game, uh, something I'm still considering. So I don't have an up-to-date weather forecast there, but uh, certainly weather plays a big role, and that is in a location where uh, weather could be an issue. So we'll have to check that one out.
1: Uh, Definitely, definitely makes sense. Uh, Anybody have any more questions, you can always hit us up on Twitter, or you can jump into the comments on the show and we will be checking those uh, sporadically here and there. So go ahead and jump into the comments. Let us know your picks on the games. We love the engagement. We would like to be able to chat more with you, Uh, but we are going to go ahead and get out of here. First things first, make sure that you go to BetUS.com, BetUS, where the game begins. Incredible sportsbook, amazing deals going on right now, big-time bonuses, whatever. Go over to the website, BetUS.com, and sign up over there. And if you have not already, like the video for us. Make sure that you have subscribed to the channel and hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. We will be back with you again next Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, to go ahead and discuss the college football playoff national title game. And I'm sure that we will have plenty, plenty to discuss with offseason content, etc. coming up. So make sure that you are subscribed. You hit that notification bell. Let's go ahead and get out of here, guys. For BetUS, we will see you all again next Wednesday.